Good afternoon. My name is Clay Parnell of Parker Avery Group and welcome. Uh, this series is covering some important topics, but it goes without saying we recognize and we're supportive of our healthcare and first responder professionals working across the country tirelessly, uh, as well as our essential retail colleagues working hard to keep grocery, pharmacy, and other important shelves stocked and flowing. Uh, let's all keep them in our thoughts and continuing to do everything we can to make their lives easier. Personally, I don't think I've left my house or my neighborhood since last Saturday, so I just try not to think about it. Um, we're here to help and we want to emphasize that. Uh, this series is about helping our clients and our retail friends in the industry. We'll be sharing our pragmatic and some meaningful thoughts and perspectives, but this is surely not a commercial for Parker Avery Group Services. For most or all of us, I think this is the transformation of at least a generation or even our lifetime. So we're in this together. So again, thank you for your participation. Uh, the webinar series, um, all of this from a Parker Avery standpoint came together uh, over the last uh, few weeks, uh, starting today with a focus on inventory and supply chain. Uh, we all recognize the distortion in our industry right now in different ways. We've got essential retailers that are trying to keep up with demand and control the flow of consumers in the stores. Other retailers, of course, are mostly closed and maybe managing to ship and support e-commerce and other Omni operations, but that's about it. While many of the topics or suggestions we're gonna talk about uh, are applicable to all retail sectors, our emphasis, particularly in today's session, is really gonna be focused on those non-essential retailers that have been closed and that need to plan to restart. Next week, next week we're gonna work on the organizational and transformational management challenges, followed by beginning the journey with an appropriate plan and finally delving into predicting the future. So um, we hope you get a lot out of today's session. We certainly invite you to come to all or as many of the sessions as you can. And as mentioned, the recordings will be available uh, after each session. So let's introduce our team. Amanda has been a Parker Avery Group since late 2014. She has former roles in replenishment, allocation, and forecasting and buying. She was at Belt Department Stores where she and I worked together. Uh, and also previously at Party City and Toys R Us. Uh, Rob has been here at Parker Avery since 2012, uh, former Walmart and Home Depot, various stores and operations leadership roles, also deep, deep background in supply chain. And Rob uh, went, uh, spent his time early in his career actually with me at Kurt Salmon Associates. Uh, Joe Scaropa, likely no, needs no introduction. He recently left RAS News after I think almost 20 years industry recognized subject matter expert across a number of topics, but all things retail and CPG. So uh, welcome, Joe, thank you for joining us. And then finally, I've been at Parker Avery Group since the middle of 2014. I worked with Amanda at Belk, as I mentioned, uh, leading a business team there through a major transformation across organization and roles, business processes and systems, eventually helping set them up successfully for a, a PE acquisition uh, in late 2014. Prior to Belk, I had some other consulting roles, uh, including uh, much early of my career with Rob and others at Kurt Salmon Associates. All right, so triaging your inventory. Um, as we get started, first, a, a few thoughts for context. Uh, first of all, the, the future. You know, there's a lot of talk right now about when the shelter-in-place orders will be lifted and when the economy will reopen. Uh, we're not going to try today to guess exactly uh, when this will happen. Um, we're not able to ensure when day one is. We don't know what the initial consumer demand is going to look like. 
or what the shopping environment of the future will hold. Um, but we do know this, look, we're, we're gonna leave our homes again. We're gonna come out behind our computers uh, and our webcams, although not permanently, I think work from home is at, certain, at a certain level is here to stay. Um, but we're all gonna be shopping again. We're gonna be back in the stores. We're gonna be back in the malls. Consumers are gonna be back. And we as an industry need to be prepared. So that's really what today and the next few sessions are about. So I'm gonna hand it off to Joe. Joe's gonna to touch on some of the context around what the last month has, has, has showed us and, and what we think is gonna be happening in the near future. Okay, thanks a lot, Clay. And uh, I'm really glad to be joining the uh, Parker Avery team for this series of, of webinars. Uh, watched a lot of webinars recently and, and I've really found um, they're, they're really worthwhile during the uh, special time uh, during our coronavirus lockdown. And, one of the things that I really liked about um, this webinar series that uh, Clay has mentioned is that uh, this is very focused on practical recommendations, on uh, pro tips about how you can manage through this uh, unusual time we're going through. And, um, you know, we may be in an economic crisis, and certainly you can see uh, where we are uh, in that uh, store closure timeline, in our pandemic timeline. Uh, but, you know, as Clay pointed out, retail is not actually shut down. Non-essential stores are closed. But, of course, there's e-commerce and um, there's Omnichannel, there's Bopis. Of course, there's the other side, too, the uh, essential retailers. Let's call them the haves. You know, they're actually growing and, uh, and they're, they're doing gangbusters business in certain categories so, you know, grocery, beverage, uh, health and wellness, and garden, and, and not surprisingly, toys and games for home. The have-nots, on the other hand, uh, are experiencing big dives um, in their business performance, and not surprisingly, uh, most segments of clothing, furniture, home furnishings, uh, sporting goods, especially team sporting goods and things like that. Uh, and interestingly, some of the stores that are doing well, like Walmart, Target, and Costco, um, you know, the mass merchants, they're not doing well across the board. Um, they're doing gangbusters in the segments that are essential, and of course, their product categories that are not essential are taking a dive. So, so we have a real mixed bag. The news reports are speculating that there will be a phased reopening of the economy. We don't know how that's going to take shape. Uh, we can speculate uh, probably with some safety that stay-at-home orders will start to be lifted somewhere around the end of April and somewhere in early May or May for sure, select stores will begin to open in targeted geographies. And uh, they'll probably be where there's low risk of spreading the virus. Now, the reason we're focusing on inventory today is that inventory is the largest asset on a retailer's balance sheet. And unlike wine, unfortunately, it does not get better with age. Now, in fact, the moment you take possession of inventory, the inventory begins to lose value. So that's why we started our focus in this webinar series there. We are gonna also cover uh, things like rest the restarting process, uh, what retailers need to do and plan for when they restart their inventory pipeline. We also uh, want to talk about the do's and don'ts and immediate changes recommended in the big three interrelated areas of inventory, which include the supply chain, uh, merchandising functions, and store operations. And in the most detailed part of the webinar, we're gonna drill into the three levels of inventory triage that will 
provide a playbook to take it from critical care, retail from critical care, inventory from critical care, uh, all the way to inventory. So with that uh, introduction, uh, let's, uh, let's turn this over to Amanda. And uh, Amanda, please help us understand what to do in the immediate retail business model and how the changes may take place there. So take it away, Amanda. Absolutely, thanks, Joe. And thanks everyone for attending our webinar today. We're excited to bring this to you. Uh, one thing we wanted to really start off with is in the past week, Parker Avery team put out a survey um, so thank you. I'm sure there's a few people on this webinar that participated. So thank you very much for your participation and your answers. Um, it really gave us a lot of good insights. Some of it was new, um, just to kind of understand where everyone was because everyone's on a different curve. Uh, the other part of it really just started to confirm and, and really solidify some of the things that we've been talking about internally as a team. Um, and a lot of it was around inventory. Um, so this was one of the questions um, that got posed on the survey and we really asked our network what are some of the immediate business model changes that you're making today um, and some of the things that you see taking over in the future? So a lot of you answered around things that would pertain to inventory and inventory execution. So supply chain distribution obviously is right out of the gate as one of the top ones, as well as allocation, replenishment, and store operations. Um, so it's managing the inventory as it's, it's coming in, and then what do you do with it once it's here? Um, and obviously, not product development and sourcing made an entry into the fold as well. So we're really going to talk about this today. Um, we have a few different perspectives on it, um, as Joe alluded to, from a, a critical care point of view, and as we move through the triage steps. But I think a lot of what you'll see as we talk through this are many of these capabilities are foundational or have some aspect of foundational. And really enabling flexibility as we move through these will be good for some and enable, continue to enable them. Others will have extreme challenges. So we're going to talk through those today. So if challenges for a restart as we talk through the next pieces, really how do you balance the demand? How do you balance your inventory? It's nearly impossible to predict um, everything and be ready for it. It would be great if we could predict the future, but unfortunately, that's not something we have the ability to do. So... One of the big challenges with the restart, as Joe already mentioned, is we don't really know exactly when, but what we can anticipate is this is going to be rolling, and it's not just in the United States or North America, but worldwide. Um, I even saw some reports today saying that Italy's starting to come back online as an example. So, but one of the questions we asked was, you know, what are the top big challenges that you consider restarting, uh, you know, from a, you'll be facing uh, when you get to day one? And if you look at the survey, there's basically two things that kind of jump out at me. Number one is what to do with the inventory, you know, having the wrong inventory in place and so forth versus the right. Uh, but also, how do we need to work differently from an operational perspective? Um, we'll definitely address these challenges in this session, um, you know, because creative marketing uh, to drive demand uh, coupled with really innovative you know, operational um, approaches are really going to help you in the short term. And this is also an opportunity to really take a long view of things and take a look at what's going on in the future. So we'll kind of cover all of that. One thing's for certain though, the fundamentals of retail remain. We've got to have demand for those products that, that's out there, but now we've got to figure out a way to fulfill that demand. Okay, thanks Rob. Let's jump to our next section, taking a deep dive into uh, practical recommendations designed to provide retailers with a playbook that they can use to move forward, you know, from uh, the critical uh, intensive care stage uh, that uh, we're probably in uh, today 
uh, all the way through, uh, you know, intermediate steps, and then what we need to do when we emerge uh, as the lockdown slowly opens up. And uh, that, you know, we're thinking of uh, as a recovery phase when the economy uh, is fully open. Let's uh, jump over to Amanda now and talk about these three phases of triage. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. We're really going to take you through the three levels, critical level, things you need to address right now, uh, things that are urgent. We're calling it what's in flight, what's the next pieces, and then really through recovery of how do you think about what's next and what can that look like. So we'll take you through each pieces of these. Uh, we're going to take you through both the merchandising and the operational pieces. So let's talk about triage level one, critical state. Um, this is really all about, you know, turning off the bleeding. And we want to address a couple of things through here. So let's talk about customers and associates. Um, they are your lifeblood. They're part of your decision-making process. They should also be taken into account as you make decisions, part of this. So this is really where you're going to get re um, have the piece of loyalty and trust. Um, this is not about profitability. This is about making sure that your associates are there for you when you when things do reopen. This is about making sure your customers know that you do care about them and you're there to support them. So as we talk about inventory and how you move through the current, what you may have as a glut of seasonal inventory or even basic inventory as it continues to move through, depending on how many weeks of supply you tend to carry, let's talk about how everyone that's impacted on those really needs to take hold. Things that people may not think about. You're going to, from a, from a merchandising perspective, you need to think about how you flow your receipts differently. Stores aren't going to be able to take and maintain safety measures with the same flow of inventory that you may have been uh, participating in pre-COVID. So how do you start to either flow those more frequently, flow less of them so that they're able to actually move through that? So there's limited people in the stock rooms. I know Rob's gonna touch on that a little bit. How do you continue to get rid of the inventory that you, that is, as Joe alluded to, is, is aging and not well? So some of these things, you know, you have to think out of the box. Everyone, I'm sure, immediately is like, oh, my gosh, I have to mark it down. What's that going to mean to my profitability? Um, there's other options, right? So think out of the box, things like donations. How do you support your community at the same time alleviating some of that pressure within your store base? That doesn't necessarily mean you need to move it, but how do you take care of that community in certain places? It also is not an all or nothing approach. Some of the areas where you may have stores are harder hit, so you need to think about how you continue to move through that and how to address it in different ways. You know, Amanda, um, well, let me jump in here quickly. Um, you know, we have an interesting question from, uh, from one of our listeners in, and it sort of relates to what you're talking about, evaluating your inventory. And it's pointing out that, uh, you know, we never used to think in terms of essential and non-essential inventory. And, uh, and now maybe that's something, at least in the immediate, uh, in this uh, maybe level one period, that sh they should be, those that are considered essential could be raised to a priority one status. And you're, you know, how you're adjusting, could, uh, that could be one way for you to prior prioritize certain SKUs and certain categories. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think this is going to, and we're going to talk about this all the way, you're probably going to hear a theme throughout the webinar of flexibility and, and what that could possibly mean. I, I think this, what we've seen is it's going to go a couple of ways. One is I think there's definitely the essentials are obviously out of the gate and then what we'll call basic inventory. But the other 
piece that we have to watch is people have been locked up for a while. They're going to want some new things. They're going to want to feel different. I mean, we're seeing that with the beauty industry, right? People are things that may have been on the slower end at a, at a CVS or a Target as far as the velocity in which they fly off the shelves, you know, hair care, that kind of thing. Those make you really sit down and think that people are going to want something new. They're going to want to be freshened up after being locked up for a while. So I think there is going to be a balance of even if people are cutting down on spend, I think there's going to be a level that people are still going to continue to buy those things. And I think that, you know, just being able to be flexible, maybe, and we'll talk about it a little bit. I don't want to jump too far ahead as far as buying smaller, but I still think there's going to be a market for that. Yeah. I was just going to jump in. There's going to look, there's a balance as Amanda alluded to. There's obviously the macroeconomic trends where people are just worried about the economy and their spend level. That's going to be there. Uh, there's the concept of people being cooped up and wanted, just wanting to get out there and shop. Um, and then as a retailer, again, going back to the flexibility theme, there's how much am I willing to mark this down for and, and therefore impacting the money I'm making? Or if it's a basic, basic item, do I have the flexibility to actually pack it back up and pull it out next year? Um, so there's going to be the decisions that are impacting the inventory I've got and the decisions that are also impacting you know, what I'm going to put on my next buy. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of questions that are coming across kind of to that point, Clay, and I think around seasonal merchandise and, and jumping across. So I want to, one of the next pieces that we wanted to talk about were how do you make some of the things that are already in your pipeline that are spring, see t-shirts and things like that, do you make them live longer? I think this is where retailers are going to have to get innovative. If you have a collection and you have a t-shirt and you have a cardigan coming in right behind it, can you market them together on the floor and, and have them live as a set? instead of thinking about them as individual items. How do you think differently to make sure that you're not leapfrogging everything and that you don't have the same markdown liability all the way through? I think those are some very creative decisions that some retailers are going to have to make um, as they move through things. I know, Rob, you want to talk about some of the real estate options and things that people may have um, in their playbook. I think talking through using stores as DCs is definitely a key factor. Um, and how we look at some of those fulfillment options as we move forward. Bottom line is, is that, you know, you've got inventory, um, you know, and it's in the DCs, it's in the stores, and it's really up, upstream in the supply chain as well. And really the way we've got to think about things is every single location uh, in your network is, is a DC, especially once you've got the product uh, received. That's going to require or could require some changes in the way you actually operate. Now, if you've got some of the technology already in place with buy online, pick up and store, uh, maybe you revert that to a buy online, pick up a curb or even extend that to deliveries or some of the various options that, that might exist. Um, obviously, if you can also ship from a store, that's a good thing as well. So essentially what you want to do is leverage that inventory wherever it is, uh, you know, assuming you've got some demand and to be able to sell through some of that. That, of course, means some changes in the field resources. So if you completely shut your stores down, you're going to have to obviously call back some of those, those store resources uh, to get them back in so they can actually perform these functions. And that could be a district level team versus you know, a full blown store team, especially if you've got cluster districts, you can potentially move from store to store as opposed to having every store open because, you know, obviously non-essentials become the de demand pattern is going to be a little less uh, consistent across that. Uh, but one of the things you definitely do not want to do is be moving inventory around uh, without a lot of thought. So the idea is, is if you can keep inventory where it is and get it to your consumer in an efficient fashion directly from that location, you're going to be in a lot better shape. 
Obviously, in some cases, if you're going to reopen a store that's been completely dark, you may need to be working with your local authorities um, or certainly maybe the mall, your uh, landlords and closed malls because of the fact that they're under lock and key at this point in time. So what I've seen as well is, is that these folks really want to get back out because their rents are going to be dependent on your long term success. One last thing that I do want to mention about this is um, we had 2% of, of you guys worrying about inventory accuracy as being a, a challenge. And one of the key things here with inventory accuracy being a challenge is, you know, in a distribution center, it typically isn't, but in stores, it gets a little bit goofy. If you've got a dark store, having that baseline is a very important thing. So you might want to consider going ahead and doing some quick physical inventories in those stores so that you can literally leverage buy online pick up and store till its full extent uh, we touched on this a little bit but as we move into the triage and level two you know we really want to talk about evaluating your next assortments what's in flight what should you pull up certain areas of the country you know sitting here in beautiful sunny charlotte at 75 degrees uh, my friend in madison wisconsin is getting snow so really evaluate those assortments evaluate the timing see where you can shift some things around that are still in flight where does it make sense to move inventory not necessarily like rob said not while it's in store and doing store transfers but what are some things that you're still able to reallocate and and touch and move those around the country to make sure that they're in the right spot so when things do open that they make sense if you have things out there that are all store buys how do you maybe curtail some of that back and flow things a little bit smaller and continuing to feed it so that you have more flexibility. Those are really going to be some of the key features um, and factors that really influence your assortment as they move forward. And, and to piggyback with that, I mean, the next bullet that we have on there is partner, partner, partner. This is both internal and external, you guys. I think that there's, there's some organizations today that are finding out exactly how siloed they were and how they need to continue to knock those down and work more collaboratively. From an internal perspective, your peers are always your greatest asset. You know, build partnerships across your supply chain. Buyers, talk to your distribution guys, talk to your um, transportation folks. Make sure that your sourcing partners are always in play. Those are things as that's where you're going to be quicker, um, be able to have the right people in the room, understand your levels of risk as you move through. Because there's things that you do in your daily job that you might not realize that your peer does. And any decisions that you make may help or hinder your partner. Um, so you wanna make sure that everyone, as you move through this in order to move quickly is in the loop. And from an external standpoint, obviously I'm sure everyone's negotiating costs where possible, payment terms, staggered deliveries, everything's on the table. Just keep in mind as you move through this that your partners generally have their partners that feed through. So there's definitely um, some trickle-down effects. So you want to understand the levels of risk from all aspects. So the lines of communication across everybody needs to be out there. Um, and you need to make sure that you're understanding your entire food chain, so to speak, in order to make better decisions. The big name of the game here in level two is, is really uh, increasing your visibility. Um, as we look a little bit farther in the future with all those unknowns, the flexibility is going to be critical. And in order to be flexible, you've got to have visibility what's going on in, in your supply chain. That means the ability to get in to find out what's going on with your existing purchase orders that haven't left the factory yet, because you may need to redirect those. Or in the supply chain itself, really getting almost down to the container level with what's, in a, what's actually in a container to be able to figure out, is this product I need right now or is this something I can defer? Um, because those buffers in the supply chain are gonna be important 
in order to kind of get yourself through uh, the next the, the next uh, several weeks or months. Um, you know, one of the challenges you may have is the configuration of your distribution centers as well. If you're configured for, as a flow-through facility, for instance, you don't have any kind of a buffer there. Um, so in this case, this is where you're going to have to start looking at partnerships with some of your logistics partners to, to potentially move stuff into uh, sidebar situations, uh, you know, into holding DCs and so forth, or maybe even demurrage, or potentially do a pack and hold for the non-essential products or the products that really don't need to move uh, right now. Now, deep technology changes are certainly not really realistic at this point in time. So you're going to have to find creative ways to sort of leverage the technology you have right now, potentially reconfiguring some things uh, or, or and bringing some virtual things online from that perspective. Hey, Joe, what do you think about, there's a couple of questions that we may want to yeah. go and take uh, both around, you know, what does the spring season look like? Do we think we're going to see a leapfrogging similar to what people have seen in other uh, other regions of the globe? Yeah, Clay, uh, good, good point. And I'm going to certainly toss this over to uh, Amanda and Rob. I think uh, one of the things we, we certainly owe our listeners today is uh, to take our best shot at the hard questions. And, uh, and if spring is in, you know, your pipeline now or, or in your stores that are closed now, what do you recommend? I mean, let's, get, let's give them a shot. I, I know, Amanda, you said, well, uh, look about partnering or summer and spring together in certain ways where the products can go together. Um, there's certainly going to have to be a thought to promotions and markdowns and discounts. There's going to have to be, for some uh, retailers, uh, storage, uh, pack and hold, uh, as Rob suggested, and, and even storage. And, uh, and in worst case scenario, uh, I think a donation has to be considered. But I want, I would hope, all three of you, including you, Clay, can go on a limb here and provide some some pro tips for for this hard question. Yeah, I'll take I'll take a first pass at it. Unfortunately, there's there's two factors against us right now, right? There's weather, which obviously influences apparel, and some outside, even from a hard goods perspective, those that sell patio furniture or anything that would be to decorate your home outside. Some of those might be doing better if your if your store, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's, is open and you can deem essential. Other places, you know, like a home goods or, or an at home, you know, you're closed in most cases, um, dependent from a governor point of view. So the government is really also lending to when you can roll these things out. So from a seasonality standpoint, I think if, if you're able to be flexible and still redirect some of the goods to other parts of the country. So when Wisconsin gets warm, they're still going to want spring and summer goods, whereas the South, is, you know, if it goes to 60, that's a little bit of fall for us Southerners. Um, so they may want something a little bit heavier. So I think it's really looking at what's in flight and redirecting things to where they make where they make sense. Look, I don't think anybody really is out on a limb to say they're gonna get this perfect. I think if you can get this 70 to 80% right, um, as things start to roll, that's a win. You have to allow yourselves to be flexible and really there's going to be some risks out there. And I think even with when business was quote unquote regular, you should always have, you know, a backup plan A, B, and C for anything that you put out there. Um, it's never really a one-shot strategy. So I think really evaluating your risks and understanding how those seasonal goods can play in different parts of the of the country, and taking a taking a stab at when the governors are going to decide that they want to reopen, and using any analytics that you have, um, and really doing a lot of reading is going to go a long way. 
So I'd say let's go ahead and move on to uh, the next, the, the level three. We'll go through this and maybe we'll be able to take some additional questions. So I think as we move into level three, some of this we've already talked to, um, the buying and planning cycles really, you know, how do you start to think like a fast fashion retailer in the near term? Smaller, more agile buys, what can you pack and hold and flow a little more quickly so that you have the flexibility to move forward? That's going to be an option for some, not as much for others. It's really going to depend, obviously, on where you are in your buying cycle and the maturity of your supply chain, quite frankly. And then I know uh, we're gonna, I'm going to toss it over to Rob. He's going to talk about some lead times. But I think just real quick before I do hand that over, from a lead time perspective, Rob's going to talk to it from a supply chain. But I really think it's, you know, you guys have been talking through being more agile and being able to take the right tape off some things. From a merchandising standpoint, go with that. The big thing here uh, that I want to talk about is closing the gap um, as well as kind of changing that de design mindset. Uh, and it might be something that's kind of hard to consider right now, given where things are. But a lot of you were already thinking about how do I cut time out of my supply chain? How do I cut lead times down? How do I get closer to market? And now all of a sudden this becomes more of a necessity versus a, uh, as a nice to have. So I think one of the things that we want to think about is back in January, most of you were probably worried about the supply coming out of Asia. Uh, you were worried about how that was going to impact your fall and your winter and your uh, seasonal uh, season for the upcoming season. Now, all of a sudden, it's a demand problem. What that means is we've got to shore things up. So some of the things you want to start considering now so you can get ready to, to be more nimble is to start thinking about what do I do about sourcing? Is my sourcing model correct? Should I start considering different ways to, to uh, take care of that? The other one is, <clears throat> is really your product development practices. So if you're in long lead time uh, materials and so forth, or you're not even involved in your materials, now is the time to start thinking about the supply chain more vertically and more completely. Uh, granted, these are long-term strategic types of uh, mindsets, but if you're not thinking about it now, how are you going to be ready for something in the future? As we talk about the future and we talk about the business roadmap and technology roadmap as you move forward, I think that's going to be important. Really, when it comes to inventory, you've, both, you've heard Rob and I continue to speak about visibility and data. Uh, those are obviously two key features um, as you move forward in your solutions to help you make better decisions. Uh, what does that mean? So likely some of you are start, um, discovering that that's easy. And some of you are discovering that that's not as easy. Um, so really starting to reprioritize where you can. Uh, remember, it's not all about technology and high spend. Look at your processes, see where you can talk amongst your organization, where you can streamline some things. Those may be the changes that you make first in the immediate until things kind of reprioritize and reevaluate it. But it may help alleviate some of your pain in the short term. So no one saw this coming, right? It was an isolated problem in China just a few months ago. And now it's global. Um, and we have to actually assume that we're not finished with this. So there's other parts of the world that are still kind of in the early stages of, the, of this, whether they're on the supply side of your, of your business or the demand side of your business. But, or maybe they're not and going to be in fact you at all. But the biggest unknown is we just don't know when we're going to get back to this normal uh, or what it will even look like. And we're quite sure it's going to come in waves, both internationally as well as in the countries in which we operate. But success is going to be essentially dictated by your ability to be flexible, both in planning and how you operate. On a daily basis, so your decisions need to be that flexible. So in essence, you've really got to have the ability to triage things immediately, take a look at what's going on, 
make decisions by increasing your visibility around things. I'm going to leave you with three thoughts uh, and before we uh, end up closing the session that we're having. So first off, partnerships. Let's make sure we keep that communication open and often. That's upstream and downstream with your suppliers as well as your customers. The supply chain, we've got to think outside the box. Your customers want options and you need to be able to provide them with options, whether that's pick up to the curb, have stuff shipped to them, whatever it may be. And finally, planning. You need to control those buys. You need to basically stay fluid and nimble and then accurate receipt flow is also going to be your holy grail. So getting that, the product flowing through your supply chain is going to be critical. It's really time to work on these foundational skill sets. All right. Key takeaways. I think, Joe, you're going to start, uh, start this. Yeah, I'm going to start. And also, I'd like to say that we're getting a lot of good comments, on, uh, Clay, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get to them either either now in a minute or two with very brief answers or, or maybe after we can an answer these directly. But one thing that, uh, that we, we have in the back of our heads and, uh, and yet in the front of our minds um, is our customers and, and our associates. And we've had a couple of questions about associates and, uh, and everything we've talked about, including every aspect of managing inventory, is dependent on uh, knowing your demand, knowing your customers, and uh, providing them with uh, excellent service that builds trust, repeat business, uh, and loyalty. And, um, and so uh, is, is, um, is managing, managing your inventory a customer experience? Absolutely. Take care of your inventory, take care of your customers. They're intertwined and, uh, and they're essential to your success. And keep that in mind as you're setting up your plans for returning to, to normal, um, that your customers are going to be relieved that uh, you're back in business. They're going to appreciate you for all of the things you've done and uh, make sure you build on that as you move forward. Great. Thanks, Joe. A couple of the other key points, I'm going to go through these, these relatively quickly. As Joe indicated, we've got some good questions we want to get to. Inventory productivity, you may be able to make them the best of the current inventory productivity and margins in the short term. But look, as we've talked about, we all realize they're like you're likely still going to be far below your original projections of, of just a couple of months ago. And that's just something we have to, to keep in mind. Being innovative, thinking outside the box and connecting with your customers. Be careful to focus on the long-term relationship and the experience versus any short-term selling push. You know, this has to be more of a, a long, long-term view here. Uh, we've talked a bit about partnering here. Be the partner you want to see in others. Um, and then finally, keep a full life cycle perspective in mind. Customers buy, return, and exchange. Uh, and we've talked about a, a few thoughts around that. You know, the other key thing that I'll, I'll, I'll mention here is, uh, you know, one of the quotes I've seen over the last week or so came from the, the CEO of PVH, uh, who recently said, we've got to plan for the worst and, and hope for the best. And, and, and in some cases, that's that's all we can do. And but we've got to keep planning. Look, most of us, whether you're a buyer, planner, replenishment allocator, whatever, uh, a lot of us are planners at heart. And that's that's what this is, is all about is is looking ahead. So in that light, why don't why don't we go ahead and hit on a couple of these um, these questions, Joe, I don't know if you, you've got a couple queued up or one or two that you want to start with. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, you know, look at, you know, a couple of them and like, um, combine them together as kind of a trending topic among our, our listeners. And one of them had to do with, uh, the effect of, of labor, uh, of the people in your organization 
And I do think there's a direct relationship between how we manage uh, the labor force and how we manage inventory. For example, uh, as we uh, begin the open up of the economy and select places, select stores, do we actually have the labor in place to handle the supply chain movements that need to take place, uh, the replenishment that needs to take place? Do we have uh, the cycle count capability of uh, store inventory and and, and stock uh, wherever it is? And, and if we're starting to sell, do, are we going to uh, immediately be out of balance and uh, distortion, as you said earlier, uh, Clay, with, with meeting demand? And so, Amanda, why, why don't you... Uh, give us an idea of how the people and labor function plays into how inventory uh, needs to be successfully managed. Rob, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Yeah. So I, I think part of that is that the labor part of it in particular is a, a slow ramp up, a restart. So as I was saying in triage one, it's really a matter of bring back, maybe it's a district team, kind of depends on what your districts look like. Uh, with your stores. But if you bring back a district team, that district team can come in. You've got a dark store. So the good thing about that is you don't have customers picking over product. Um, so as a result, they become a distribution center of sorts. So they come in, they're able to potentially work for a couple of hours a day, be very efficient in what they do, and then be able to uh, you know, handle any kind of uh, outbound, if you will, uh, whether it's shipping to a customer via a parcel carrier uh, or, or a, a pick up at the curbside, uh, if that's a possibility based on kind of the storefront that you're dealing with, um, or, you know, potentially even doing deliveries to those customers. And there's a lot of different creative ways that, that, that we can do this. Uh, but one of the things that I would also say is, is that you really don't want to be moving inventory, especially right now, that you don't need to, because that's just adding cost to the, to the mix. So if you can find a way to actually get inventory out of any node in your network, whether it's a store or a distribution center directly to your consumer right now, that's going to be your best bet and the most cost-efficient way of doing it because that allows you to keep that flexibility for a longer period of time. You know, we've got a question uh, that I'm going to expand a little bit about. Uh, we have a question about uh, do we expect uh, retailers and companies uh, that they may be looking at their supply chain that reaches all the way to China and what implications that may have. But I'd like to expand that a little and ask our pro team here, how do you advise retailers to be able to move quicker or take, for example, lead time out of your supply chain? Because we've certainly seen that to make this fast, flexible adjustment, taking lead time out is a critical step. Does uh, anyone want to take that one? Look, I, I will say that, um, look, the last 10, 20 years has been a big focus on getting to the lowest cost supplier. And that's why a lot of people are in China and Southeast Asia. I think that's still going to be a factor, but I think people are also realizing how critical it is to have flexibility in the supply chain, flexibility in the sourcing mix. So I do foresee, it's not going to happen overnight, but I do foresee where possible, uh, there's going to be a lot of folks looking at opportunities to get product. Um, from South America, from Central America, not necessarily in possibly in the U.S., but certainly near shoring uh, where possible. Yeah, I agree, Clay. I mean, I think a lot of this is going to be that near sourcing. But it's also if you start to think about looking back into the into the raw material supply chain, because being able to take raw materials and take a position in them also allows you to cut down. What that means that your product developers have to start thinking about 
developing into a material versus simply having a blank sheet of paper every time they start up. So it, it requires a little bit more of a strategic thought, but I would say, like I said in uh, triage three, I mean, bottom line is, if you don't start thinking about this right now, you're never gonna get there. So I, I kind of look at this as almost a wake up call. Yeah, just to piggyback to that, I think I, uh, I had said earlier, I think a lot of people are learning to make decisions and make and come together quickly make quicker decisions, take the red tape out. I think that's going to be a continued theme, realizing that the, we don't need to go through six weeks of meetings in order to get a, an assortment to fruition. So I think there's going to be um, some new thought processes as far as how things get developed and what the strategic process, to Rob's point, looks like as we continue. Yeah, I'll, I'll expand on that to say, look, if you, if you think about the amount of time that people have tried to take out of their merchandising calendar over the last few years, whether it's in the design uh, product development piece or the planning, assortment planning, et cetera. I think there's going to be a renewed focus on trying to take out steps and uh, milestones, decision points and fluff in those calendars. And obviously with the impact on travel and the realization that people can do more remotely with the new digital tools, I think there's going to be a renewed focus on where there can be compression in early parts of the, uh, the life cycle. Joe, uh, any any other closing thoughts from your standpoint before we wrap up today? Yeah, I think that we uh, we have touched upon uh, tips that will help you. Uh, we have certain areas that we know uh, our listeners are interested in that we weren't able to get to. But the main focus here is that uh, you are working through a difficult period. You have to look at it in terms of immediate planning uh, and reaction and responses. Uh, but you also, at the same time, have to focus on uh, planning for the future. There will be a recovery. We will get through this. There will be retailing, not exactly like we used to know it, uh, but, uh, but many of the core foundational principles, such as inventory management, will be a part of that future. And uh, hopefully these tips will help you make that happen for you. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you to Joe. Thank you, Amanda and Rob. We have a number of questions we were not able to get to. Thank you for the questions. We will definitely address those uh, either within a blog that we publish uh, in the next couple of days. I don't want to overcommit us um, or as part of our follow up with the audience that attended. I'll also say there are a couple of questions that I saw come through that I know are going to be addressed in uh, two or three of the upcoming webinars we've got over the next three weeks. So we're We'll hope, uh, we'll hope you'll be able to join us for those as well. But thank you for everybody that was able to join us. We hope you got uh, some value out of it. Uh, and I hope you have a uh, good rest of your day and a good rest of your week. Everybody stay well and stay safe.